0: Is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers? Turn handle off the middle, hit in the backfield and drill. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker
1: Hour. Right three cold, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Not
0: Underdog and an one Exclamation point! The brakes. Now, your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukin-Holtz, and
2: Sports Director Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. We are a mere six weeks away from Ireland football, which is just a phrase I've been dying to say <laughs> my entire life. That's Caleb Henry, KLIN Sports Director. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. We've got Kenny Larrabee in studio with us, getting us going on the Facebook Live at KLIN Huskers. And we are continuing with position previews. We're running out of time to get them done. We've got Big Ten media days in ten days. Uh Uh-oh. We're going to have to squeeze those in. Uh, One of them will happen uh, right after. We've got uh, the O-line and the D-line yet to come, but today it's linebackers. There's there's not a lot of mystery about the starters in maybe one spot. Uh, and you certainly know who's gonna be in the rotation, I would think, but uh there's still uh, still plenty to talk about there. Um and, and we continue to to count down to Nebraska's twenty twenty two kickoff. Uh but Caleb, yesterday and today, uh I, I'm doing something that really ages me.
1: Oh, yeah. And and just that a little. Is...
2: You're fine. You don't look that old. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. All right, here's your money. Um had my twentieth uh, High school reunion. Refuse to believe it. The, you look the like festivities
1: this weekend. You look like you guys are on your tenth class reunion, tenth anniversary. Shout, that, out,
2: shout out Bellevue West class of two thousand two, T-birds. Don't believe it. I the, and and there's there's something I can get into here, and and it's at at the risk of completely losing you because how many were in your graduating class? Twenty-two. Twenty-two. Okay. Twenty-two. Yep. Okay. Care to guess how many were in mine?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, 648. Oh, wow. Yeah, not that many. Oh, okay. Uh, 394. 330. Okay.
2: 330, which, I mean, compared to 22 is certainly a lot. I guess some Lincoln schools I've seen have definitely had classes in that, maybe 5, 6, 700. Range. Right. So anyway, there's, there's a lot of people... For my graduating class and not a lot of them were there yesterday we actually combined an event yesterday with the class of 2001 as well and and so you kind of see some people that oh okay yeah i hung out with him oh yeah i remember her she was in this class you know I, I didn't run with that crowd but i'll you know go say hi whatever whatever and with all the like college football realignment stuff that's going on it kind of makes you think about high school a little bit like which of these schools. That wants to be in, you know, like that popular group is actually going to, you know, find their way into mm-hmm. that group because there is a, there is a certain level of, uh, fear or disdain or anxiety, whatever college feeling or emotion or college high school feeling or emotion you want to attach to that. Yeah. And, you know, from, from my perspective, I was probably firmly in that like middle-ish tier maybe Cincinnati. I don't know. I wasn't I was not a popular kid, but I was I was popular with my own group. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, whatever. And and so you have you have these college football programs in the Pac-12, uh in the Big 12, not as much the ACC because their media rights deal is just so long that their fate will not be determined quite yet. But they're all trying to find their way into you know they they want to sit down at the cool kids table right mm-hmm. they want to not be left behind and having the having the 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 high school reunion event yesterday you know it's not that anybody got left behind there's certainly plenty that you can do if you're not in that group but the college football landscape is is just going to be so different once all the music stops and you find out where these teams are sitting that it's just it's just kind of fascinating to to look at my own like reclassification as as people are kind of mingling and who's talking to who yesterday yeah at this mixer and and all the college football stuff that's gone on the last couple weeks is like what in that why how how is how is this person talking to this person mm-hmm. i never would have thought that i would i never would have thought i'd see usc and ucla in the big 10 right and it, the 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 way that stuff happens like that is just kind of fascinating mm-hmm. and the college football uh, the college football part of it is is going to continue to just some of it you will see coming but there's still going to be plenty of moves we will just have mm-hmm. never never even imagined in our wildest dreams
1: now you have me thinking about where i what like program i would have been as a comparison okay and i'm thinking i would have been Specifically 2006 Boise State. Wow, that's extremely specific. I don't have a seat at the big boys table. Yeah. We're not there with the cool kids. Yeah. But given the right moment, I can be pretty popular for for just a day. Did you wear a
2: lot of blue shirts in high school? No. Did you propose to your cheerleader girlfriend at the end of the school year? Ah
1: <laughs> did not. No. <laughs> yeah, not, not quite that much of it, but... Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 interesting. I'm still a few years out from uh from my twentieth. Still a few years out from uh, my fifteenth. No big deal. Youth youth is looking good on me.
3: Yeah, and
2: so the the way that Nebraska finds itself, you know, at the at the table, they they are the example of the kid who you know, the the years are going to be way off here, but you know, maybe like a late freshman year, early sophomore year. You know, Somebody just going about their business uh, just finds themselves at the cool kids table, right? Mm-hmm. That's what Trev Alberts was talking about earlier this week. Like, It's it's good that Nebraska got themselves a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. At the very least, the Huskers are going to have a, an inside look at what's going on. They They might be privy to some things that they certainly would not be if they were still in the Big 12. And, I mean, really, at this point, you're just trying to get at two more tables. Right, the SEC mm-hmm. and the Big Ten, and you don't know how much more those tables could expand. Are you able to bring over one more table and drag <laughs> it over and get some more chairs? I don't know. You know, are those are those cool kids going to no, allow to do fit. such things? We could fit. Just get another chair. Yeah. No, we're gonna pull up a chair. We got room. See, there's room right there <laughs> on the end. Right. Yeah. Pick me. Pick me. So Nebraska's angle in this whole thing is, you know, they're they're not Ohio State. They're not. Alabama, uh, they're not calling these shots in any way, but at least they have some influence. At least they are recognized as a member of this this group on mm-hmm. the upper tier. And the future of the athletic department depends on that, and, and the move that they made is good, and, and the move that they got Trev here is 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 hugely important as well because I think he has a pretty good understanding of... Both the stability that Nebraska enjoys by being in the Big Ten and the instability mm-hmm. of where college sports are in general, with everything realigning.
1: Yeah, and you just had so you just had Big Twelve media days. Mm. Um, and think about a year ago when you had Big Twelve media days, and everyone—the conference has never been more unified. There's so much unity. The unification. Two days later, right? Oklahoma, Texas, off to SEC. All of that. Well, all of that begins trickling out. and We're like, what the heck is happening? You guys just had your media days. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, the reports coming out of the big 12 media days are there's a weird amount of unity among the other schools. And I'm just like, unless they get an invite, Mm -hmm. like everyone's going to be unified because it is in their best interest to stay together and not be left out unless they get asked to prom. <laughs> they were going they were perfectly fine riding in your dad's truck as a group, all showing up to prom together. But the senior girl shows up and says, You want to come join our limo? Mm. You're not turning that down to riding that beat up rusty dinker, alright? <laughs> that's and that's the way this is all going to work. Who's getting the invite? There's plenty of unity, and everyone's going to be unified because it is in your best interest to stay together. But if you're getting that invite to go to the big kids' table, to go to prom in that limo with that senior girl, you're not turning that down in the name of unity for the rest of your league because now you get to be in leagues that have shown better unity, have shown better stability, and also they make a lot more money like all of that is something that's not going to be turned down. So and that's without even getting into the real and fake reports from uh, Adrian Martinez this week at Big 12 Media Days. Watch out for those by the way, guys. <sighs> yeah. Adrian <laughs> Martinez,
2: the gift that keeps on giving. Just more more and more stuff that is and is not true that comes out from him. Right. That that yeah, that's related to him. But we're we're not
1: going to get Yeah. I don't believe we're going to Get more realignment happening here immediately. Yeah. um I could honestly see us getting to uh getting to twenty twenty four when when everything goes through when Texas Oklahoma are to the SEC when you've got USC UCLA to the Big Ten and seeing where things shake out in that time. Um, especially when you you have to look at what is going to be the Pac ten. Well, they'll go they'll go back to that. What their media rights look like? Are those schools then really desperate to be like hey we'll come and you're making a deal about how long it is until you get full media rights within the league. Um what's the what's it going to look like for the Big 12? Where is ESPN going to send some of their money cuz they're going to want to fill some slots mm-hmm. after they have everything with their SEC after those SEC games cuz they're not going to they're not going to get the Big 10 games. Yeah. Um And then where are all of the other TV networks going to put their money? Like, there's all of those things to consider. And then does the ACC, does some lawyer say you can't keep everyone here through the mid-2030s? Does that start some shuffling? I don't think we're going to get anything for a couple years. But this is back-to-back summers of things getting weird, premier programs on the move, and the popular kids' tables getting more full.
2: Yeah. and And... There's, there's still the, the one, I guess. Look, there, there's, there's always this kid in school that is like, you know, y- you can tell that they're cool. You can tell that they can fill in, uh, fit in with any crowd. All right, he's got a
1: skateboard. Yep. He watches anime. Okay. Leather jacket. But he also has the school three-point record. Yeah. Like you're a like a lot of
2: versatility. Like he's got Doesn't that. not have to just stick with one group. He he he's on the four by eight in track. Wow, yeah. Very, very impressive.
1: You you get to the football team and he's not a starter, but he's one of the guys that nobody dislikes. They're just like, you know what? This is a good addition to any group. But he's just not really part of any group. Little bit of a loner, enjoys the independence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're, of course, talking about John Willett. No, I'm not. <laughs> Notre, Dame, Notre but, Dame. Right, but if you were able to get this kid as part of your group, you know that raises the value of everything. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Notre Dame is really the main domino to, to come unless the Pac-12 and the Big 12 do something. Those two conferences, if they feel like some sort of at, at the risk of this getting blown up again, alliance. <laughs> uh, unless those two conferences come together. We in looked at each
1: other's eyes.
2: <laughs> I'm looking in your eyes right now. All right. <laughs> this show will never end. Uh, the way that the way that those two could operate in, in a way that, like you said, if they can get unity around some sort of collaboration with those two conferences so that mm-hmm. they don't both go completely sideways Outside of that happening, I think Notre Dame is the next big domino to fall. It's, they have to be. And and so, if you Texas-Oklahoma last year, you have UCLA-USC this year, and I don't know, I mean, Notre Dame's not on the clock by any means, because they don't have to make this decision immediately, mm-hmm. but I think they're probably the next one to make the decision. I think you might have your Oregons and your Washingtons, Arizona-Arizona uh, State. Maybe even like a San Diego State, UNLV, BYU. uh the, like the those are those are schools that. Well, BYU's already in the Big Twelve. UNLV and San Diego State maybe are, are where you would go if you're Pac-10. get back, get back to Pac-12. Yeah, I don't think any of that happens outside of a Big Twelve Pac-12 merger or alliance or whatever outside of Notre Dame figuring out what they're going to do and and even them saying nothing is is essentially, you know, just them biding time, right? Because they don't have to come out and make a statement of independence or, you know, reaffirm their independence, declare their independence. Mm-hmm. They're going to remain independent until they state otherwise. And so they've got that available to them. They know they can go wherever they want to. Anybody will have them, similar to a USC-UCLA. Mm-hmm. But that's the next big domino to fall, and then... You know, once if if that day comes, then the rest of the school will just be like, "Oh my gosh, he chose them?"
1: Is it a guarantee that Notre Dame's going to end up in the Big 10? Because obviously they they've got the connection with the ACC um and they're kind of locked into that for a little bit unless the lawyers can say something. Yeah. But I'm mostly saying between the Big 10 and the SEC. Like what what are the odds that Notre Dame would choose the SEC? My my
2: thought is, like, if you were ranking the, uh, the possibilities, like the likelihoods, 1A and 1B would be Big Ten or stay independent, mm-hmm. and then I think number two would be SEC. I, I think the Big Ten, I mean, geographically and culturally and historically, all of those things line up. Money-wise, I don't know that there's going to be a huge difference between the Big Ten and the SEC. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten's first to go here in these negotiations, so they're going to know... What the Big Ten's going to get before they would know what the SEC is going to get, or they're going to have a really good idea of them, mm-hmm. uh, of both probably.
1: Here's the thing, though, when you get to that, because there's because you're bidding on what the Big Ten's media rights are going to be. Mm-hmm. How many bidders are going to be there for the SEC, or is it just ESPN?
2: Oh, you're going to have more. I mean, just the just the fact that they went away from CBS doesn't mean CBS isn't still maybe going to want a piece of that action. Right. I think NBC. Is, is trying to play any side they can get mm-hmm. because right now all they have is Notre Dame and they're trying to figure out a way to kind of get more of that back. Right. Fox, I don't know that they're going to really play in the SEC space whatsoever because of their affiliation with the Big Ten and their ownership of the Big Ten network. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're not going to have the, as as wide a swath. Like, there's maybe maybe one for sure, probably fewer network. hmm possibly two fewer networks if cbs doesn't want to go back to that um but i mean you add in all of the streaming options to those channels and i mean there's just tons of places to go Mm -hmm. for both of those conferences so i i don't know that that's that's you're kind of splitting hairs there in terms of how many networks i think the money is going to be there yeah the difference will be fairly negligible at that height at that level and so for Notre Dame, I, that that comes down then to the other factors that I right. just mentioned: historical, you know, cultural, geographical, etc. Mm-hmm. And the Big Ten's just a better fit on all three of those. Yeah.
1: So. Well, in either way, the uh, the money will be a boost to Notre Dame. Yeah. Because I, lo- I know they love being independent. They're not making as much money as they could. They're Although not as much as they could with al- this new deal, correct? On the athletic side, right? Academics wise. They get all that endowment money, sure. Like, and they're they're not like they don't have to share that with anybody. That Notre Dame is doing fine financially, yep. Um, despite not having the same media rights deal that you would have in the Big Ten or SEC.
2: And with that, with that, whatever deal they get next, I mean, they'll get they'll be able to buy their new skateboard. You know, they'll be able to
1: <laughs> they'll be able to get all those things that they
2: need for playing all those various sports and playing them very well to uh, to fit in in any crowd. All right, that was yeah. High school, college football, it all it all High ties together. High school
1: never ends.
2: <laughs> and uh, this show with position previews—they <laughs> will eventually end, but right now it feels <laughs> like the summer will never end. Uh, we were talking linebackers today, inside, outside. Uh, what are they called? What are how how many of them are going to be on the field? Uh, Who's going to be playing in those spots? Who's making the rotation behind the guys who have been the guys for a while? We'll talk about that next here on the KLIN Husker Hour.
0: Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on
2: ninety nine three KLIN. There is not a more stable position, in my opinion, on Nebraska's 2022 roster than inside linebacker, Caleb, because... Would
1: you say they have the inside track? Mm,
2: I would say they do. (laughs) They do indeed. You've got one guy who had 108 tackles last year. You have another guy who
1: had 99. All right, for real, though, find him another tackle. Go back to the tape and just say he was close enough. It's not too late. Jim Thorpe, who won
2: gold medals in like 1912, just got those reinstated after they were stripped from him. So it's not too late. You can give Nick Henrich one more tackle. It's okay. Come on. So those those two guys are.
1: That's one of my fifty and fifty, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. The, the number of solo tackles he got last year, and then just saying, "Come on, get him another tackle." Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. But uh, th- those
2: two guys are going to be solid if if you don't have injuries at inside linebacker. Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich are going to rival any interior duo, and not everybody plays a three four or whatever Nebraska plays, I guess. But those two guys in on the inside, they're 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 ever they're literally checking every box that you could want. Garrett Nelson does this too. Mm-hmm. Native Nebraskan. Uh Luke Reimer even has the former walk on tag, if yeah. you wanna if you want to go that far. But they're all uh native Nebraskans,
1: uh multi year Ga- starters. Garrett Nelson has the Earned black shirt as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Cry at press conference. Just awesome emotions. Yes. Like, like you, there are so many things that go into these guys. Like the media loves two things in
2: Nebraska. <laughs> it's Bruce Springsteen and it's black shirts crying <laughs> when they get their black shirts. Yes. Nick Henrich was a black shirt as a red shirt freshman last year, uh, and and so th- those those positions are extremely stable, um, especially on the inside. Even on the outside, do you realize that Caleb Tanner? has played in literally every single game for the last 4 seasons. <laughs> 12, 12, 8 and 12. Thank you COVID year. He's back again for That's year 5.
1: Incredible.
2: That's right. So, and Caleb Tanner may not even start because in addition to Garrett Nelson being on the edge, one of the biggest non-non-quarterback transfers Nebraska got this offseason mm-hmm. is O'Shawn Mathis. Right. And so, O'Shawn Mathis, with his you know fifteen and a half career sacks from TCU, is that good? Played there three years, thirty four <laughs> games, back to back, all Big Twelve second team selection. Uh, he he's going to be in that rotation. Mm-hmm. He's going to be given every, every opportunity to play, uh, especially on passing downs. And and while Caleb Tanner and Garrett Nelson, for that matter, but Garrett Nelson, I think, is more firmly entrenched in his spot than Caleb Tanner is but while both of those guys have more experience in the offense or in the in the defense they haven't been able to rack up the the sack numbers they haven't been able to to get the production to to go with uh the job that they're supposed to be doing right and so that's really the only, in terms of in terms of like the guys that you'll see the most at the inside and outside linebacker positions and we'll talk more about some of the depth in a minute but those are your top five out of yeah. these four spots, clearly. And and Garrett Nelson, lock him in as a captain, um, the vocal leader of this team. With with the you know the the new guys at quarterback, which is usually where you see that, uh, and you may see Casey Thompson as a captain. But Garrett Nelson is the heart and soul of this this twenty two twenty twenty two, yes, without a doubt. So the the stability there is really important because defensively, you're losing a lot on front, and you're losing a lot in the back. But having that core in the middle mm-hmm. stay there, it does give Nebraska a chance to get close to what they did on defense in 21.
1: Yeah, there's there's not a... Let's say it was all, all front-end guys or all back-end guys. Well, then you've got a, a disconnection between the middle of it. And so that's one of the things that, although you do have to figure some stuff out in the middle, and you've got to... In the middle up front, and you've got to figure some stuff out on the back end and be like, okay yeah, there's a lot of really good athletes and you're trying to move some guys around and there's no longer uh, corners and safeties. They're all DBs and where you're going to put them. Here in the middle, you can still have that that continuity, that continuity, and to have those guys that have been here for a couple of years are deeply entrenched with the program, deeply entrenched with what it is um, to be a Husker and represent Nebraska. So when you have those guys that have come in as transfers, even within this group, even within O'Shawn Mathis, but anyone on the back end, anyone up front, you're able to have those guys right there that have to be in constant communication. You don't know how much communication there is between your guys in the middle who are in a four-point stance at nose tackle, right? Between them and your free safety. But you know your linebackers... Like the the biggest example you can give for someone, especially like the professional level, think about Ray Lewis running everywhere on the field directing traffic. Yep. Like those types of guys. And I think you have that with especially as you were talking about Henrich and Reimer, but with Garrett Nelson. Yeah. Like all three of them are smart and they're passionate, but I do think you you throw the captain on Garrett Nelson and he goes up to another level on what he's going to be able to do with this defense. And you didn't lose those coaches. Yeah. You know, so so you have everything going for you on this side. I don't this is going to this is one of the easier ones on saying who are going to be the guys starting. Now who's that next level? Who's going to be able to come fill in if someone gets gassed or you got to go big and bring some extra bodies in. Yep. Yeah, Garrett Nelson has made
2: strides like you you can remember back when he was a freshman and was just running around everywhere as fast as he could and and everybody kind of thought okay well he's he's definitely got the motor he just needs to figure out where to go with it right, right.
1: but that's what you want from a young guy who maybe yeah. doesn't know all of the reads okay well don't go 50 60% at something because you don't know where it's going go 100% and hope that you're right mm-hmm. and you'll we'll work on getting you more right yeah and and he che- absolutely checked that off yeah, and, and and here's the progression statistically, too. 2019,
2: 15 tackles, one and a half for loss, no sacks. 2020, 30 tackles, four tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. And then last year, 57 tackles. He's doubled his tackle numbers each year. 11 and a half sa- or eleven and a half tackles for loss and five sacks, plus a forced fumble and two pass breakups. Mm-hmm. So he has definitely shown it not only in the leadership in, in leadership category um and just watching where he goes and seeing that he's in the right place but he's got the statistical production to to back it up so he's taken those steps he's shown that improvement and and like you said coaching wise you still have the same guy coaching the outside linebackers or edge or whatever huskers.com is going to call them <laughs> for these last 3 seasons now yes so not only does Garrett Nelson have that, Caleb Tanner has that, the younger guys on this roster who we'll get to here have that. And he has he, he's gonna be able to show that to Oshawn Mathis, and, and Oshawn Mathis, you know, despite having been this big time transfer get that the, Nebraska was chas- everybody was chasing after and he comes here, he does have a, a pretty good example of not only somebody who's who's gonna be loud and get everybody fired up like Garrett Nelson, but he's got somebody who's got the stats and, and the improvement. To back it up, like Garrett Nelson's shown. Mm -hmm. Um, Depth-wise, we'll start inside. You have some guys who've been here for a couple years. uh, Ativa Mauga-Clements, Garrett Snodgrass, uh, and you have uh, a couple redshirt freshmen in Randolph Kapai, Seth Malcolm, and Makai Bayor. And then one inside linebacker, true freshman, Ernest Hausman from Columbus. Mm -hmm. Those are the guys behind Reimer and Henrich. And my guess is, if you had to pick uh, backups, it's probably Malga Clements and Garrett Snodgrass. Yep, Snodgrass maybe the first guy to go in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if uh, if you're guessing he's out of York, uh, and and Malga Clements, I think this is his third year out of junior college. Yes, so so that's the inside spot.
1: Now, I do think when when you're talking about some of those guys, especially um, Ernest Hausman, who's a true freshman. I think there are some of these guys. That you are going to see in spots, and I think for Hausman, the plan is still going to be to like redshirt him because you you are blessed with depth at the position. I think you're gonna get a full four games out of a guy like him. Um now, is that gonna be on special teams? Gonna work his way into there? Because we know there's they're trying to get a lot of starters into the special teams positions. Right. But is there going to come a time where something comes up I think Ernest Hausman we're going to see him play inside linebacker not in a blowout at some point this season. You could. You could. He's a special talent right here in the state and I remember how big of a deal it was when he committed. And there's been
2: I mean this isn't anything that I have like statistically but there's been a lot of just talking hearing it wise that that he's not not just you know the fact that he's the size that he is now but the fact that he's already grown a little bit and put on a pretty mm-hmm. good amount of weight just since he's arrived in the spring yeah. uh, in the, in the seven or so months that he's been in Lincoln. So he's already all in on this. He, he was, I think maybe the first commit from that 2022 class forever ago. Cool. And, and so he's been all in on this program. He's been peer recruiting. He's been bringing other guys in the class together. And so that, that part of it is, is important too. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't disagree at all. I think, I think you definitely could see Hausman um, end up, Getting some not just special teams but defensive playing wise, yes. Um, special teams, he'll definitely uh, he, he could definitely factor in though, too. Um, let's do this, let's let's hit our next break, and then when we get back, we'll get to the edge guys to kind of fill out the depth there. Um, like we said, Nelson, Tanner, Mathis, I think those are firmly your top three, but uh, still some intrigue elsewhere uh, along that side, and, and then how it all fits with the D-line and secondary and, and what you can do with different downs, run down, mm-hmm. pass down, etc. Uh, so we'll do that we come back Put right five
1: here. five edge guys out there, you cowards.
2: Why not? <laughs> Show them. <laughs> We're back right after this here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Get it, slip
1: it, it, check
3: it talk, to, talk to Now and share it.
0: Talking with current and former Huskers, and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN.
2: Just 42 days until Dublin, Ireland Ooh. turns from green to red-ish.
1: For the most part. It's not going to be 80,000, but it'll be it'll be, you know... I'm pumped about be a it cuz there's an
2: amount of folks out there.
1: That'll be there won't be a show that morning cuz of a uh, 4-hour nope. pregame. Pregame yep. will start at 7:30 in the morning. Yep. Uh 11:30 kickoff. I think this is going to be a lot of people bemoan the lunchtime kickoffs. The lunchtime kickoff time times. Um I've always enjoyed them and I'm especially going to enjoy the fact that it's going to be more in like late afternoon evening there. Yes. And we get to just wake up with football.
2: Kind of like you're watching British Open golf now. Yeah, and whatever. It's, it's golf. Yeah. But you're, you're similar. Like you're gonna have like the
1: twilight look. Hey, whoever called and hung up, call back. I'll answer I'm trying to do a show, but like I'll try to answer too. So, so you're six weeks out. That's a Rick Stein recognition hotline. 402-479-1400. That's
2: right. Six, <laughs> six weeks out. And there's, there's definitely still some questions. Um, some questions that they don't have to answer is who's going to start at inside linebacker, mm-hmm. uh, and and who's in the, the at the top of the rotation at outside linebacker or edge. Um, we we've already talked about how, I mean Garrett Nelson, you, you don't really need to take him off the field necessarily unless he wants to. Caleb Tanner played literally every game four years in a row, uh, and then Oshawn Mathis, who is uh, the biggest non non-quarterback transfer uh, acquisition for Nebraska this off season. Uh, outside of those three at edge, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see the steps that Blaze Gunnarsson takes. I think if you didn't get O'Shawn Mathis, Gunnarsson was probably the next guy yeah. in that rotation. I agree with that. Uh, Jamari Butler, both of those guys uh, are a redshirt freshman after uh, coming in last year. So uh, Butler and Gunerson, they can make an impact uh, here or there. Uh, they don't have to, but... You can get them in a little bit, kind of like we were talking about with Ernest Hausman, Garrett Snodgrass. Uh, you can you can find your spots uh, to fit those guys in there. Uh, and then the only uh, other incoming newcomer for the edge spot is Jake Applegate from Lincoln Southeast, who uh, who will also step into that edge role. Mm-hmm. And on the on the edge, you you have. The way the defense is structured, you have the need for those guys to play both outside linebacker and straight up defensive end mm-hmm. at various times, and the way they've done it has been, I, I think, the smart way to do it. But like you, you, you kind of start with a framework and then you fit your personnel to the way you call it, mm-hmm. and like last year. You had some better D line depth. So you could play Damian Daniels and Ty Robinson and Ben Stilley all at once. Yeah. Now with less D-line depth, but potentially more uh you could maybe get, you know, Garrett's Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, and Oshawn Mathis all on the field at once yeah. with maybe just <laughs> two of those guys on the D line. Maybe you just have Ty Robinson and Devin Drew, for instance, uh, out there as your only two D linemen. You can do more of those things, and they've certainly shown uh, on on the defense that they, they like that versatility, and they're going to, once they figure out even more so than they know now uh, how the pieces fit together, they're going to play to their strengths more as the season progresses, which just from looking at their, and and you know it's it's nebraska in the early 2020s it's be careful what you what you look at too far out on schedules mm-hmm. but schedule wise you have the easier schedule on the front end so the idea is you know you should be able to figure out the d line and the secondary really really well by the time that late october and november schedule comes around where you have a lot more higher level competition that you're going to be facing off against
1: Yeah, it's going to be, and we'll get into this when we obviously go through the entirety of the the season and we make our picks and and do the record and all of that, but if you're looking at just personnel-wise, you're able to get some guys in and get that experience early and hope that they can develop into, if they're a marginal contributor, be a really steady contributor. Um if they're steady, maybe they take a step up and they're challenging for a starter role. Um you you hope that as you get halfway into the year that guys are making that across the board. But if if you're looking at this edge position, Nelson Tanner, Mathis, you're like, okay, that's yeah. a great three-man rotation. Um for, for realistically two spots. Uh, but maybe you put some more guys out there in, in situationally. Um but if you're Jamari Butler and Blaise Gunnerson. maybe even Jake Applegate. I don't know how much he'll be able to, to crack that kind of top five there with the rest of that room. Can, can you start to push some of those top guys? I know we, we've, we've really heaped a lot of praise on Garrett Nelson, but can somebody push him to be like, hey, I know you're, you're like Nebraska guy personified, likely captain coming up here, but can you push him for the spot? Make him have to get better. And if you're those starters, how can you hold everyone off by just getting a lot better over those first few games and get some, get the, the quality reps and have success? I think that's going to be a big thing. If you can have some success over those first few games, whatever the position is, you want to have that confidence going into the meat of the schedule, that back half of the schedule. So I'm hopeful with these edge rushers that they've gotten to the quarterback enough times early on that there's a confidence when they're deep into the Big Ten schedule that, oh, we can get to the quarterback mm. as opposed to, well, didn't really get to the quarterback a billion times against Fordham. How are we going to do that against Iowa? Yeah. That type of stuff. Yeah. And and the schedule, like I
2: said, kind of lends itself to that. If you can figure it out early, then it'll help you to be able to have some of that production late. the The other part of it is if you have some of that, production up front, if you can get O'Shawn Mathis to close to double-digit sacks, um, if you can get Garrett Nelson to, to, to best his, his five from last year, if you can get Caleb Tanner to add three or four, which would be a career best for him, uh, I think his career best is two and a half in, in a single season, then you don't have to worry as much about the secondary. Because the secondary, you're 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 trying to fit some pieces in back there, uh, and there's a position change that we just found out about earlier this week that we'll uh, tell you about here too. There's there's also that aspect of it because you lost JoJo Doman, you lost Cam Taylor Britt, you lost Markel Dismuke, you lost Deontay Williams, all those guys multi year starters. Just Quentin Newsom is is returning on the back end, and so the the more you get out of that front side of the defense. The less you have to rely upon the young guys. And, and to, I mean, Travis Fisher, just as much tenure uh, as, as Barrett Roode has, and, and just, you know, Mike Dawson right behind them with four seasons under Frost. So the defense overall, I mean, we talked about this all offseason. There's a lot more, a lot more knowns in terms of the, the structure of what they'll do, the, the philosophies, the body types, mm-hmm. how they want to get stuff done. And they did it really, really well last year. So, I mean, it's exciting to think about. Some of the some of the guys that they could move around and, and I'm I'm pretty interested in seeing how they fit everybody together because you know there's there's guys like Nash Huttmacher, um Mosai Newsome maybe makes a splash. You might see a little bit more uh out of a guy like Braxton Clark if if he's fully back and, and maybe can get one of those starting spots. Really, really want to see what Marquise Buford can do as well. Yeah. So just across the defense, you know, it's, it's nice to know what you have at these linebacker spots, but um, looking at some of the other positions and some of the guys who could make an impact, uh, those are, those are pretty exciting uh, aspects to this whole defense as well.
1: Yeah. I think just for all of them, who's going to be a guy that shows up into fall and really took some steps forward. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that we've been waiting on for a couple of years <laughs> is seeing guys really take a step forward, um, but man, that, that back end I want to see that fleshed out. <laughs> yes. I, I want to see who's going to be the guy and I want to see everyone else push those guys then yeah. going forward. Cause I think with any of these positions, yeah, we, we've talked about, there's the steadiness at the inside linebacker and there should be a pretty good rotation at the top of edge. I think that's going to be it. You can rotate a lot of these guys. There is so much talent on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Can you get all of those guys to produce so that when one person has to come out, the next person's not a drop-off? That's been, that has been a worry. Even with the yeah. the defensive backs where it's been nice to bring in some guys like a Miles Farmer, you knew that that was not the same level as those other guys that left for the pros this last year. Yeah, I think
2: the biggest worry in that is – well, the secondary there is, but I think even more so is that D line. Mm-hmm. It, when Ty Robinson has to come get a blow, I mean, Devin Drew has a lot of snaps from his time at Texas Tech, but he doesn't have a lot of snaps under Chenander's scheme. Uh, you know, how many snaps can, can Nash Hutmacher give you? How many mm-hmm. snaps can Marquise Black or Mosai Newsom or Ruquan Buckley or Colton Feast? How many snaps can those guys give you um, to to be their net be next to or or to help out Ty Robinson when he needs a blow? Uh, those are, those are, I think, maybe the, the most concerning to me, and we'll get to that, uh, in these next couple weeks to finish up the position previews. Alright, when we come back, uh, we'll tell you about that defensive position change, uh, for, uh, actually another one of those big time transfers, just like, uh, O'Shawn Mathis, uh, as well as, uh, our captain predictions as we may know that by the time we get around to next Saturday's show, uh, as Big Ten media days are just 10 days away, uh, and only six weeks before Nebraska's opener out in Dublin against Northwestern. Uh, You catch all that when we come back here on the KLIN Husker Hour.
0: Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3
2: KLIN. If you missed anything from earlier in the show, as we broke down the linebacker positions uh, or any other shows from our past weeks, you can always head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com and the Facebook Live as well at KLIN. Huskers. That's where we are now, courtesy of Kenny Larrabee. All right. Let's uh, let's let's run down uh, before we get to captains. Uh, Good, because you just a, sprung
1: this on me like a minute ago.
2: I sprung it on myself, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, kind of a, an, a little low key important uh, position change that we learned about this week. Um, one of the better transfer gets for Nebraska. This is a, a former FCS uh, freshman defender of the year, mm-hmm. Omar Brown from Northern Iowa. Uh, he is switching and has switched per Travis Fisher from cornerback to safety. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
2: I, I kind of had him in the mix at corner uh, potentially to start, but there's been a lot of just a uh, lot of momentum for I, I think Tommy Hill looking to maybe lock down one of those spots opposite Quentin Newsom. Mm-hmm. The, just the way that folks have talked about him. I I think he could be you know, maybe the the guy in the inside track to get that spot out of Arizona State. But Omar Brown going to safety is intriguing to me. I don't know that it's because he saw the writing on the wall and and knew that he wasn't going to start ahead of Tommy Hill Mm -hmm. and and Quentin Newsome. Um, Maybe they don't know if they can count on uh, Miles Farmer and Marcus Buford to play all the snaps and they want to have another reliable guy down uh, in the back who's played a lot of snaps. Um, So uh, those are... Those are the couple of questions I have, and and looking at the safety spot, you have Miles Farmer, who has I think the most experience in terms of where Nebraska's uh, on, on playing in in, in Shenander's offense here as a bl- defense as a black shirt, uh, and then Marcus Buford, I think had I think the most uh, right up there with Alonte Brown in terms of uh, the the spring game hype guy. And and so Buford and Farmer were kind of my guys in terms of who was going to get the inside track to start at safety to replace Williams and Dismuke. But with Omar Brown back there, Deshaun Singleton is a, a guy who's played at the junior college level who's a little bit of an older guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those four are are maybe the the four that you're going to count on now at safety. Buford, yeah. Farmer, Singleton, and now Omar Brown.
1: Yeah, and if you listen to Travis Fisher talk on Sports Night, they're like, Omar Brown's a dude like an athletic freak. So if you're able to put that on your back end and can clean some stuff up, I think that's only going to benefit your entire defense. Yeah. And do you you kind of
2: agree in terms of what you're looking at at corner with? I mean, if if Brown's moving, they must feel pretty good about what they have.
1: Yeah. Oh, you you should. If you're going to take a guy like that and move him away from what's typically going to be, if you go to man, your one-on-one matchup on the outside, Mm. You got to feel good about the guys that are there. You got to feel good about the guys you brought in and the guys that are likely to take the position, or someone like Quentin Newsom, who's pretty much got it locked. Yeah. And hey, you don't have to see Jackson Smith
2: and Jigba this year, (laughs) unless you you get to the Big Ten championship game and you play against the Buckeyes there. But right, yeah, they're not on the regular season schedule at least this time. And and so yeah, so Tommy Hill, um, other guys at cornerback. Like I said, Braxton Clark. Uh you, you might see uh, a little bit more contribution from Tyreek Johnson, who was a former five star, uh uh transfer from Ohio State, and then some guys uh, a little bit lower on the depth chart and and relatively newer in, in the roster, Taman Lynhem, uh and then Mal- Malcolm Hartzog and Jaden Gould, both incoming true freshmen mm-hmm. um at the cornerback spot. But but Quentin Newsom, Tommy Hill, I think are 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 maybe your two there. And then at nickel, you're gonna have uh whoever you have at nickel as well. Um captain wise
1: do we want to just hit let's, this last break and then we'll do captains yeah let's
2: let's build some let's build some uh, a little bit of tension here a second tease captains teasing <laughs> the captains so this is this is going to be an interesting pick at, at offense we're going to i've got an the, idea here's the structure we're going to go with 4 2 on defense 2 on offense I don't. I, offense is really is really getting to me. See, see if you at home can can come up with uh, your four captains as well. We'll tell you our picks when we come back here on the
3: KLI and Husker Hour. Edu. This is the sound of a brand new outdoor grill being hurled off a twenty-story building. Now a stylish glass coffee table. An electric guitar. These are the things you could enjoy all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Visit EnergySavers.gov and get tips on how to save energy and money. Then do things like switch to Energy Star light bulbs or Energy Star Appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. So this doesn't happen to the recliner you've had your eye on, or this to the treadmill on your wish list. Or this to the shiny new bike your kid's been asking for? (laughs) Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This
0: is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN.
2: Moving right along here on your Saturday morning, hope it's a good one, and uh, just six weeks away from Nebraska's opener, we may before next Saturday, Caleb, we may know the 2022 Nebraska football captains as uh, they're going to be uh, just a couple days away from Big Ten media days, and and you'll you'll typically have those announcements before that because usually at least you know out of the three that you take to uh, the the media event. You know, usually they're the captains. You're right. Them. So, so let's uh, let's let's figure out. Uh, do a little do a little uh, look ahead and, and see let's if we can start figure this out
1: with the defense. Yeah. I think that's a little bit easier. And right away, we got to start with Garrett Nelson.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna also select Garrett Nelson as one of my two. Yes.
1: Okay. And then where I'm going next is I will go to the back end. Okay. And I'm gonna go Quentin Newsom. I was gonna pick Quentin Newsom too. Oh, hey, like look at that! We're two yeah. for two. I'll I'll change mine, but you give give me your give me your Quentin Newsom cell. Well, he's he's been around. Yep, he's one of the guys that you're pretty well locking into a position. Mm-hmm. I would like to go with someone who I think you're gonna get the production out of someone like an No. Sean Mathis. I think you're gonna get more pressure into the backfield from your guys in the middle up front. But if you have a, a linebacker, I like having someone who's a captain and can direct some stuff from the back end as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that with Cam Taylor Britt, you know. Yeah. So that's that's my sell on Quentin Newsom. I also don't think he's going to lose like the position at some point. No, I don't think so. So so that's going to be your rock steady person on the back.
2: Okay, I like it. I like it. There, there's a, another guy. I'll I'll switch mine just for the sake of <laughs> the sake of better radio. I think you could do, you can make the same argument about somebody on the front mm-hmm. and that's Ty Robinson,
1: right? That that's, that's where when I was putting together like the top almost, three or four that you pick from, yeah, he was right there almost
2: as entrenched, maybe even more so because of the the depth concerns there at, at the D line. So Ty Robinson, similarly to Quentin Newsom, he's the guy who's been around and he's the guy that you can count on being in that role and, and not 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 having to relinquish that role in any in any way, shape, or form. Plus, you're able to have the guys around him, you know, look up to him and 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 say, okay, not only is he, you know, the main guy who had all these snaps last year, he's also a captain. That that's going to help, I think, st- stabilize that D-line a little bit mm-hmm. because you have guys like Stefan Wynn and Devin Drew coming in. Uh, and and then continuing to develop guys like Ruquan Buckley, Jalen Weaver, Nash Hutmacher, Marquise Black, Mosai Newsom, and, and the, that having Ty Robinson be up front there, um, and and being loud and mm-hmm. and Luke Reimer, Nick Henrich were the other two I I kind of considered. They aren't as vocal. I mean, they talk to the media, but they just don't. You don't see them as, as much as I mean, certainly not demonstrative like Aaron yeah.
1: Nelson. Well, and you don't want multiple guys within the same position group like that's hard sure. to do sure um so yeah I could see that going up front too with Ty I think Newsom is probably more likely because there is a little bit more separated because Nelson's
2: gonna play right next to Ty Robinson yeah time. but I, at any rate I think those are definitely your candidates offense this this could be fun I think we can both probably agree that assuming Casey Thompson is your
1: quarterback Casey Thompson's probably going to be a captain you're locking in the starting quarterback and we're pretty much locking in Casey Thompson to that role yep yep I would agree all right uh second offensive captain. So this didn't take me as long to break down as I thought it would. I wanted to go right. offensive line. Okay. Because you're directing a lot up front and think about what you've had there with like Cam Jurgens yep. in the middle. You don't have that. Yep. Maybe Nori Nwili was going to be someone who could have had that position. Yep. He's no longer going to be around this fall. I'm going Travis Volkolek. Yeah it is you got to have someone there is so much seniority there veteran leadership what he can do with the offense and help out there there's just too many question marks about guys in other positions i think vocalek and thompson those are your two on offense
2: the, yeah i i think you're right vocalek's probably the guy if i had to go a little bit wild if teddy prohaska is healthy enough to play yes maybe he i mean he's just a be he be considered a redshirt freshman. Redshirt freshman. Yeah. That'd be that'd be pretty heady stuff. I think Vocal X's the guy though. Alright. That is it for us. There's uh just six weeks away. We've got two more position previews to get to. Big ten media days, fall camp, it's all coming. <laughs> get ready. Go big red.